in a perfect queer world, everyone is different and everyone is happy. And there's no reason to, you know, make anyone feel like they can't be themselves. Everyone is free. My name is Kat, and I'm a person living on Woiwurrung country and working with Midsummer Festival. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Woiwurrung lands of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work, and play today, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognize the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. The episode you're about to hear is with Daisy. Currently studying at university and working as a triple zero call taker, Daisy is a queer person who grew up in Queenscliff and now lives in Geelong. Leaving rural Victoria after feeling like they didn't fit in amongst their peers, Daisy talks about building a community based on love and not social standing, and how young people's outspoken nature gives a hope for the future. Comfortable with the fact she didn't know who she was, but always knowing she was queer, Daisy discusses growing up not realising that other people were not queer. Say hi to Daisy. I'm Daisy. I'm a queer person, I would say. I use mainly she, her, but they, them feels fine. I don't have any specific labels. I don't, I feel like my identity is very transient. So I like keeping it very broad. And so you live in Geelong now. Yeah. And what's your, what's your life look like in Geelong? Uh, So I live with two housemates Mm -hmm. down near the river. It's really beautiful. Um, I like catching up with friends a lot. I have a really supportive network. Um, I go to uni, not as much as I should, (laughs) but I try. Um, And I work in Melbourne. So wow. I spent a lot of time travelling and working up there as well. Right. What are you doing in Melbourne? Uh, I'm a triple zero call taker for ambulance. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I take all of those calls. Very rewarding so far. Yeah. So before Geelong, you were in... So I'm from the Ballerine, which is just further kind of around the bay. So oh, Queenscliff. Okay. So you grew up there? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, my and... school had 40 kids. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it wasn't great for me. I just yeah. found if you don't make friends in that year, like in your mm. school year, you kind of don't have many people left to choose from. So, mm. yeah. Was it a quick exit for you as soon as you could? Yeah, so I left that school in grade six and um, went to a slightly bigger school down the road. Ah, okay. And then I went to school in Geelong for high school. Okay, and how was that? It was good. A bit better? Yeah, it was much better. Yeah. Lots of different people. Our school had a real focus on um, kindness. Wow. Which was really different, really amazing. Huh. So the motto was wisdom, respect, friendship. Mm. That was really cool. And do you think that made a big difference by having those? Yeah, the the principal had a really clear vision for what he wanted to achieve. And so he would do all of the kind of admissions himself and he'd talk to all of the kids. And so it wasn't about scores or, you know, money and background, even though it was a private school. It was definitely more about selecting the kinds of people that he thinks would do well in the kind of system he'd created. Wow. Yeah. It sounds very evolved. 
<laughs> it was actually set up by um, so the Katsumatas who are from Japan. It was just they have a school over there that I attended for a little bit, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird school, but it's good. What were your reasons, main reasons for for leaving there? I just didn't feel like I had my people there. You know, rural Victoria can be. If you're in Cow Queenscliff as rural, it can be great, but if you kind of don't fit in with the community, it can be less great. Whereas I've found more people in Geelong that I relate to, and then I'm making new friends from Melbourne now, especially through work. And everyone's just a bit more diverse, and there's different stories, and it's all very exciting. Mm. Yeah. So you feel accepted and connected yeah. and all those yeah, I feel like you can make friends where you can be your whole self around them rather than just part of yourself. Mm. When you look back, I guess, at that, at your experience, what made you feel different or not fitting in? Can you Are you able to kind of... Yeah. yeah. Um, I think part of it's definitely queerness. There's mm-hmm. less queer people in Queenscliff in particular. Um, less people who are worldly that seems like a a strange word to use it can be very community minded in not in like a um welcoming way but in a insular way and so the the further i found you get out from that the more people care about communities that exist out of location based you know communities of humans in general communities of queer humans environmentally minded humans there's just, yeah, more more ways of being mm. that are accessible. Mm. And when did you, I mean, when did you come to an understanding that you are queer? Yeah, I guess I always kind of knew. Not in a way that, you know, I knew from the second I was born that I was different, but I just, it never occurred to me that other people weren't. Um, there's a... A family friend we have actually, they're sisters, but I was never told that as a kid. I was always just introduced to these two women together. And I just assumed they were a lesbian couple my whole life until I was in my teens and my parents corrected me. But I just always assumed people were different and had, you know, different sexualities, gender presentations. That was just how everyone was. Wow. So it sounds like you've had some level of comfort with who you are throughout your life. Yeah, yeah. I think I've been comfortable with the fact that I don't know who I am. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's always felt very open. And for a small period in my life, I wanted to have labels and I was a bit frustrated that I didn't know exactly who I was. But now I'm happy with having unknowns because yes. I think everyone's different and everyone can change and everyone should be able to change. Mm. So even though it wasn't, it sounds like it wasn't an, too much of a negative experience for no, you. not at all. It was just you felt um, drawn to going somewhere where there was more openness and more, like, acceptance. Yeah. And how does that feel to have that now in your, in your life? It feels really nice. Yeah. It feels like, you know, slowly I'm meeting more and more people who are just entirely accepting and so mm. you don't. You don't ever have to hold back any part of yourself, and that's always really refreshing. Mm. Is it, you know, even though I never had any negative experiences myself, 
growing up in my small town, it did always feel like you had to put your best foot forwards at all times and, you know, mm. be wholly, you know, good and simple and just very straightforward versus, um, you know, now I'm meeting more people who are so very different. Now it feels like you can just be whoever, do yeah. whatever. What does pride mean to you? Pride to me means freedom to be who you are. Um, I think lately we've seen a lot of negativity in the world. So with the you know, protests in Iran, a lot of people being forced or feel like they're being forced to be will act, dress in a certain way. And so I think pride is the opposite of that, where you can dress or be whoever you want. And, I, and it's a, a kind of, at the moment, it's a celebration of that, but I'm hoping we can get to a world one day where it just is. Pride is just every day. Mm. Where do you feel the most pride or the most able to, to be your authentic self? Or do you feel, do you feel that here? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I feel it with my friends. Mm. I'm someone who very much doesn't keep friends out of, you know, social politeness. I I like to build a community around me of people who I love and who love me. And so mm. I'm I'm very comfortable with everyone I call my friend. Mm. And like when you're meeting new people, are you uh, at all censoring yourself or your language or how you come across or are you really comfortable with speaking your truth I guess do you know what I mean yeah I guess I don't know if I would say it's holding back as much as just kind of testing the waters so you just let you know I don't go into a conversation going hi I'm queer but you know you just see see how it goes mm. But I'm I'm quite happy being who I am. I at work I wear very interesting earrings and I've got an interesting haircut. Um, and I was totally comfortable going in like that because mm. people either like you or they don't. What does a perfect queer world look like to you? In a perfect queer world, everyone is different and everyone is happy, and there's no reason to, you know, make anyone feel like they can't be themselves everyone is free why do you think it's important for for society to celebrate queerness or and have things like the midsummer festival at the moment i think we do need extra support as you know a global community because there are people out there who don't have that option at all it's not even that they can't go to a pride festival but it's that they can't hold their partner's hand on the street or they can't express their identity the way they want to until we can achieve that it is really important that we celebrate pride and we celebrate differences but i think the reason that we need to celebrate these differences is because we function better with them. I think the world has been run in pretty straight lines for too long. And I think we can already see that the more voices you get um, involved, the better the outcomes are for everyone. Yeah, the consequences of having those straight lines are huge, aren't they? Like, yeah. 
especially yeah. in so I study anthropology but I'm also really interested in science and you can really see the impact that kind of white male research exclusively has had and especially in anthropology there is an increasing movement towards championing diversity and championing voices because it's all about communities and people and what makes people who they are and I think that's it's really special and you do learn a lot you learn a, a lot about how very different the world is mm. describe to me what that world looks like in your eyes like without that <laughs> white male dominated straight you know outlook like what does that world look like if it was freely diverse and history made from people's diversity and it's definitely more colourful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's also a fairer world and one with less suffering in it because the more we listen to every voice and not even just queer voices, but everyone who's underrepresented, sorry, underrepresented, I think the, the better the outcome is for everyone. So making sure people of colour have voices, disabled people have voices, Everyone who's, you know, ever felt like they've been not heard or talked over, if they're able to freely communicate, then everyone will have a nicer life. Do you feel at times in your life you have been talked over or misrepresented or silenced? Yeah, I feel like you definitely, in in terms of being perceived as female because of how I, how I look, how my body is, I do feel like I get treated differently a lot of the time. Um, I worked in hospitality and bars a lot growing up and you do get different attention from different people. Um, I feel like I, in certain, uh, one of the things that kind of drew me away from STEM was that I knew I would have to compete in a world that was very still straight men, straight white men dominated. Um, and just, you know, you can't find your people there or it's harder to, and it's harder to have your voice heard. Mm. What do you think people with sort of more traditional thinking what, what can they do to actually make room for women's voices and, you know, non-straight people, like any, yeah, diversity? What do you think they could do to make it easier? I think it's really hard because it's in, if you're in a system that is kind of built for you, mm. you do have to really actively look to learn more, um, especially if, learning more and changing is going to mean it's less of a benefit for you. It's not as easy of a run. Um, I think attending events that aren't designed for you with with those people, so whether you're you know, attending a, a rally with First Nations Australians or attending a feminist, uh, I don't know, book reading or something, um, and just being able to sit in discomfort, or if you hear something that feels uncomfortable, just taking a second to analyse that. I know I have to do that sometimes. I hear something and inside you go, ooh, and then instead of 
moving away from that feeling, sometimes you really have to understand why you're having that feeling and question your own predispositions, things you might not have even thought of before. Mm. Yeah. Growing up, looking back, what are you grateful for that's given you um, the ability, I guess, to be able to be you? Do you know what I mean? Like... Uh, I'm really grateful for my parents. They all pushed me to study and and to to work really hard and celebrate academia. Um, my grandma is a very staunch feminist, put herself through uni, that kind of thing. And so she's always been really championing me to to work hard and fight for my my future and the things that you can take for granted these days. Mm. Yeah. So she's been a bit of a, a role model? Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that no. because then <laughs> she'll use that against me. <laughs> she'll use it yeah. against you. <laughs> no, she's she's great. It, yeah. It'll go to her head. But, <laughs> but she's she's awesome. Yeah. So what hopes do you have for the next generation of LGBTQIA plus people? And how do we improve things? Yeah. I think from what I've seen already in some some of the younger people around me is they're very outspoken. Um, they're not afraid at all to say, this is how I see the world, um, which is refreshing because a lot of people are more content to kind of silently disagree mm. or, you know, sit there and see it a little bit. Um, yeah, I think just supporting them in that and, you know, standing up and joining your voices with them. Mm. Where were you when the Marriage Equality Act was passed in in 2017? Do you remember? I can't remember exactly where I was. I was 17, so I was I probably was in school at the time. Um I had to talk to my grandparents <laughs> about why it was important. But um I was very happy when it was passed. I wasn't happy with how the government went about it. But I was happy that at least there was enough support from the Australian population that mm. we could pass that through. And how did you do that conversation with your grandparents? Or how was that? They weren't, you know, um, they were kind of of the sense of why is it important? Like they're, they're not, they don't not want people to have rights, but they didn't, I think, realise why it was such a big deal. So I was, you know, reminding them of why having that option is is really important for a lot of people and just being on the same playing field. Mm. Um, it's not even, I think, that an overwhelming amount of queer people want to get married in particular, but not having that option just means you're on a lower step. And mm. I, I think it's just a very basic thing to do, to put into law just to create that extra bit of equality. Hmm. Do you find it difficult to have those conversations? Or not at all. Not at all, no. No. And what do you bring? Because you, you seem like a really calm, level-headed person. <laughs> level-headed person. I feel like you would bring a really nice softness to those conversations and, and help. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not like a really strong opinion coming at someone, but it feels like, yeah, like 
yeah, because like you yeah. ease into those conversations. And I like reminding people of the humans behind mm. the kind of stories you hear. It's not why should these anonymous group of people be able to get married. It's why do people you love and care about, why do they not have that same level of respect that we afford to mm. other couples? Just reminding them that we're all human and we all want love and we all want to be treated with respect mm. and with equality if, if we can. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And did your, do you feel like your grandparents really heard you? I think right? so. Yeah? I think so. I think in some ways they're a bit set in their ways but I think they did understand mm. that, you know, it's it was it was something important and it it didn't require a lot from them. Filling out a form mm. is a very simple, very understated way of just showing solidarity and that it it's not costing them anything to be kind to other people. And I think they did take that away from the situation. They don't have to be defensive about something like marriage just lend mm. the same respect you would to anyone mm. that must give you quite a bit of hope that you can I guess open people's minds I think at the core of people no one wants to hurt other people and so I, I think there is hope that if you can remind people of that you know the real people behind these stories the real faces and lives they understand that they didn't mean to hurt anyone or they don't understand why the kind of ingrained knowledge they have hurts people, mm. but they don't want to hurt people. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> this podcast is released every Tuesday and Friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners, Midsummer and the Fair of Victoria portfolio of the Victorian State Government. Throughout the series, you will hear firsthand the successes, hopes, dreams, fears and struggles of diverse members of our community. Pridefinder, the Rainbow Road Trip, was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA plus Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest and reflect the language, thoughts, history and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes. 